on just a few verses this evening. Verses 13 through 15 of Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, beginning the reading at verse 13. Then children were brought to him, that is Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Here we conclude our reading of God's holy word this evening. Well, friends, the the fall season has finally arrived, and the holidays are right around the corner, and that not only means that pumpkin spice everything is in the stores, it also means that the relatives will soon be here. Uh, And I imagine most of you are looking forward to having your homes filled with uh, talkative brothers and sisters and playing children and loving grandparents. I assume most of you enjoy that kind of thing. But I also imagine that after the relatives have gone home after a week or so, after you've put away all the gifts and the wrapping paper and and all the holiday decorations, many of you are going to drop into your lazy boy and breathe a sigh of relief. And suddenly you're going to be amazed at how quiet the house suddenly feels and seems and sounds. And to be sure, it's, it's a blessing to have a house full of people, especially a house full of spirited little children uh, running around the house, up and down the hallways, playing underneath the pillows on the couch, pulling on your pant legs while you're preparing the, the holiday meal. That's great. It's wonderful. But uh, I imagine that it's also a, a joy to to have a house back to yourself again, to have that peace, to have that order restored after everyone has gone home. Because you see, the reality is that however much we love and cherish these little ones in our lives, we still regard them to be small in stature. And by small, I don't mean uh, tiny compared to the adults. I mean that we are very aware of their dependency, their neediness, their, their incompetence. They need us for everything, don't they? Uh, When your little child or or grandchild runs up to you with a smeared, dirty shirt and sticky fingers, um, trying desperately to communicate to you with broken and almost unintelligible sentences about some mischief they've gotten themselves into, at that moment you're very aware of how small they are, how needy how dependent they really are. So that in our society, many regard children to be somewhat like lowly misfits, less important than the average man or woman. Well, in our passage this evening, what's recounted for us here is a rather touching, a tender moment in the life and the ministry of Jesus where He takes small children into His midst. He blesses them and He prays for them. But we notice that before he performs this act of love and compassion for these little children, he must first transform the perspective of some of the other little ones in his life under his care. He has to transform the perspective of his disciples first. 
Because the disciples, we read, uh, rebuked those who were bringing their children to Jesus. They were of the opinion that a a big and important teacher like Jesus should not be bothered by the concerns of of sticky-fingered, snotty-nosed kids. But what we need to see today is that their, their attitude towards these little ones reveals that they did not understand something very important about the kingdom of heaven. They weren't thinking clearly at that moment about how it is, after all, that anyone comes into the kingdom of heaven. They had forgotten, as we often do, how to bear the name, how to carry the covenant claim of God while living under His kingdom rule and reign in our lives. And so Jesus here tries to correct and refresh their adult memories. And He would do the same for us tonight as well. And He teaches us that only children, only children belong to the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching us that we must become like children in our humility, in our simple trust in Christ for salvation and for the strength to develop childlike faith as Jesus' disciples. Notice with me, first of all, that that Jesus calls us to see that small children, our children in particular, are first and foremost models of the kingdom humility that we are called to demonstrate. As I said, the disciples clearly don't understand the types of people that Jesus has come to save. Apparently, they had adopted the the popular cultural uh, idea of their day that that little children were of less importance than the adults. In fact, there are some interesting early Jewish writings that make that clear, that in Jewish culture, uh, they thought of children as immature and and lowly uh, in society. And so, the disciples here are upset. Uh, They're upset that Jesus would interrupt His important schedule and routine to show individual care to these children. These, these little people in society, just as they were troubled back in Matthew 15 because Jesus showed concern for the Canaanite woman, um, an untouchable. Uh, to use a modern-day expression, the disciples believed that little girls and little boys should be seen but not heard. They should stay in their place. Uh, the little ones being offered to Jesus uh, were, in their minds at least, just an annoyance, an intrusion on Jesus' ministry, His important kingdom work. Kingdom matters were far too important for these little children. After all, they didn't even understand what Jesus was saying. But our Lord Jesus clearly doesn't share that cultural viewpoint. And He he silences His disciples' rebuke of the, the people, the parents who are bringing their children to Him. In fact, if we would go to Mark's gospel, where we all have a parallel account of this event. Mark tells us that Jesus was indignant with them. He was somewhat angry with them because of their actions. And and rather than shooing these children away, He calls them to Himself in a very loving, a very tender way. And He says to all uh, nearby, He says, let the little children come to Me. Don't hinder them. Don't you dare hinder them, because to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is firm in His resolve to welcome these children into His presence. Not only that, but to lay His hands of blessing upon them and to pray over them. And in so doing, He shows His disciples, first of all, that their priorities were mistaken. They had already 
forgotten, apparently, what Jesus had tried to teach them just a little bit earlier, just a chapter earlier in Matthew 18 about the importance of little children in the kingdom. They had already forgotten what he had taught them about the attitude that God requires of all of us as his followers. Look with me very quickly here at Matthew 18, the first five verses. Jesus' disciples are having a, a discussion on the road, and uh, they come to him at that time. The disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus' manner of answering that question is by means of illustration. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn, unless you change, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is answering the disciples' rather immature question. They're, they're jockeying for position in the kingdom, for, for a position of, of priority and importance. And Jesus answers their question, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to stand near your throne, O God? Jesus answers by taking a small child from the crowd and placing them before the crowd. And he says, essentially, I'm going to teach you a very important kingdom principle here. I know that as you look at this little child in our midst, you may not regard him as very important. He's small. He's lowly, not very significant in your sight. But I tell you that your lowliness, your humility needs to be like that of this little child if you are truly going to be my followers. Unless you change, unless you turn and become like this little child, I tell you, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus turns his disciples' understanding of the kingdom of God on its head, upside down. It's not those considered to be the greatest who will enter God's kingdom. Rather, it is the one who humbles himself, who has an attitude, a disposition of humility and neediness before God. Those are the ones who will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus, first of all, reminds his disciples about the kind of attitude that they should have as his followers. But we see something else here about these little children. Secondly, we see that they are, in fact, the genuine recipients of God's saving promises. To be sure, Jesus would have us see these children as a model, as an example, as an illustration of the kind of humility uh, that we should show before God and before others. But they're more than that. They're more than a model, more than an example, because when Jesus took these children to himself to bless them, he also revealed to us something very important about the children, the place of children, not just all children, but our children as believers in the covenant Christian community. In drawing children to himself in this very, this very tender and, and compassionate way, Jesus took delight in these children as the very subjects of the kingdom of heaven. And he urges us tonight to accept and to view our children not merely as examples of humility, but as the true recipients of the salvation promises of God. 
And I want you to see with me here in Matthew that he places several clues in his gospel to help us see this, to help us uh, see this as a helpful instruction on how we should view our children as they relate to the kingdom of God. In fact, it's that special place that they hold which makes them such good examples to us of the kind of humility that we also should have before God. Look with me at a few of these clues that Matthew includes. First, notice the people who are bringing their children to Jesus. They appear to do so. They appear to bring their children to Jesus as an act of faith, an act of faith. These, these parents aren't bringing their children to Jesus because they're superstitious. Oh, if they could just sit on Jesus' lap for a moment. If, um, if, if they could just touch the garment of Jesus, then I know they'll grow up and be a great, great person. As if Jesus were some sort of lucky charm. It's not why these children are bringing their, uh, these parents are bringing their children to Jesus. Uh, there's also nothing here to suggest that these parents, these guardians, are bringing their children to Jesus to heal them from some sickness or disease. There's nothing there that indicates that. These parents are not bringing their children to Jesus uh, in hopes of some special uh, material benefits. He's, Jesus is not some divine Santa Claus on whose lap the children can sit while the parents take snapshots for their photo album. That's not what's going on here. These children are brought to Jesus for the very purpose that they should receive a divine blessing from Jesus. And Mark and Luke's gospel, again, which also look at this account, make that very clear to us. And look at the way our Lord responds. Does He shoo the children away? Does He rebuke the children? What do you think you're doing? Your children can't even string a sentence together. They can barely understand what I'm saying. They can't make a profession of faith. Send them away. That's not what He does. Jesus welcomes them. He responds positively to the parents' request that He bless them, pray for them. And He grants a divine favor to these believers and their children. He actually lays His hands on them, you notice, as a gesture of authoritative blessing. If Jesus only meant to have these children here as an illustration, as an example of humility, then His laying of hands on these children and blessing them would have been deceptive. Because then these children were, were not actually the true objects of God's blessing. They only appeared to be. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not deceiving us. He wasn't deceiving the parents. He wasn't deceiving the children or His disciples. He has made these children, the children of apparent believers, people who are expressing faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as their Savior. He has made these children the special and the direct object of His tender love and blessing. That's a beautiful action on His part. Jesus refers to these children as the true and genuine heirs of the kingdom of heaven. These weren't little pagans. These weren't little heathens running around. These children were heirs to all the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. And our attention is immediately drawn to the covenant promises of God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And certainly Jesus' audience there that day who saw Jesus take these children to Himself, who heard Him say, to such belong the kingdom of heaven, certainly they would have known 
that Jesus was speaking about the promises of God regarding the kingdom of God to Abraham and all of his seed by faith. So by blessing these children, Jesus performs an act in the traditional Jewish manner which pointed to the passing on of blessing from one generation to another, the promise of forgiveness of sins and life in Christ through Himself, and that's a promise that's given to believers and their children and to all who are far off, all those whom God calls to Himself. So we might say that this passage really sheds some light on the practice of infant baptism. Of course, it doesn't teach the doctrine of infant baptism. This is not a baptism. There's no water here. But it still concerns the issue of covenant infant baptism, because what's clearly in view here is the blessing of small children who have been brought by their believing parents to Jesus, and that blessing is based on the covenant promises of God regarding the kingdom of God. And so it's so important, brothers and sisters, that we see our children not simply as examples of kingdom humility, but more than that as the special recipients of the saving promises of God, and we ought to treat them as such. We ought to cherish them as such. We ought to nurture them as such. But finally, we see, as we look at our covenant children, we see them as examples of how we ought to live in faith and in obedience to Jesus' kingdom rule as His disciples. We see that they are examples of faith and discipleship. It's very likely that many, if not most, of these children were carried to Jesus in their parents' arms, carried to Him. In fact, Luke's gospel reveals that at least some of these children were brephe, which is a Greek word uh, that is used to describe very small children, infants, babies, those certainly in need of their parents' help to be brought to Jesus. It's striking that these are the kind of children that are being brought to Jesus. These are the kind of children of whom Jesus says, to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And it's not a small detail how they come to Jesus. They came in their parents' arms, or at very least holding mom or dad's hand. They didn't come in their own power. They didn't come in the strength of their own ability. These little ones were helpless. They were unknowing. They were needy. They were weak. And so why, we might ask, why did the kingdom belong to them, these frail little ones? Simply because of this, God in His grace had chosen to draw them to Himself. It's as simple as that. God chose to to initiate His covenant with them. And so He says, let them come. Don't hinder them. The kingdom belongs to them. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, it's precisely in these children's helplessness that we need to consider our own need for salvation. In our little children, we ought to see a picture of ourselves, weak and and humble recipients of the saving grace of God because all of us, whether we were converted at a young age or later in life, all of us can only confess that our salvation is the result of the Lord first turning to us to transform our hearts. 
Our salvation is a result of Him first drawing us to Himself. It was not by our ability that we came to Him. We were as helpless as those little babes squirming in our arms as we present them to the Lord for baptism. And we, like them, receive passively this great salvation of God. And so we need to come and understand our crucial need for salvation in Christ. We need to understand how it is that we are saved. Because the kingdom belongs only to those who know in their heart of hearts that they have no right, no claim upon Jesus' special attention. The kingdom belongs to those who know that they have in themselves no right to His saving love or His salvation. So unless we see ourselves as little children, utterly dependent upon the Lord for everything, for salvation, for life, everything, if we we don't see ourselves in that way, then we don't truly see ourselves. We don't see ourselves rightly. Unless we see ourselves as little children, we cannot know what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Truly, Jesus says, unless you change, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you acknowledge your helplessness, unless you reject your adult pride and independence and see yourself as a needy little child, then you will be forever an infant in the faith. The reformer Martin Luther, who was a a father himself, a very tender and loving father, Uh, at one point when he was dealing with his children's misbehavior, um, he said in a somewhat joking manner, which was typical of Luther, he said, Christ said we must become as little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear God, this is too much. Have we got to become such idiots? And the obvious answer is no. You don't have to become such idiots because we already are such idiots. You and I as adults may have graduated from the physical limitations of childhood, but guess what? You and I are babes in the arms of God as far as entering the kingdom is concerned. Were it not for the grace of Christ carrying you, carrying you in His arms to God, enabling you to make beginnings of holiness in this life, if it were not for that, you and I, all of us, would remain spiritual juveniles, spiritual infants, helpless and pathetic and lost. Were it not for God first initiating His covenant with you and me and, and giving new life to our spirits by His Spirit, you and I would never see the kingdom of God. And so in your crucial need, brothers and sisters, Remember that God must first draw you to Himself. He must hold you in His arms, and He must draw you to Himself and impart these saving benefits so that the love of God might be in you. It was not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. And it's only when we understand that, with childlike faith, that we will know the power of Christ to live as His disciples, to bear the name of our good shepherd in this life. And so we need to see ourselves as little children, even as we nurture our children 
and tell them about the promises that God has made to them. We need to see ourselves as children because God's message to us is that our little, little children's need for the Holy Spirit and its aid, His aid, that need is our need. We also need someone to carry us to Christ who is the only true source of our blessing. Our children's need for Christ as their helper, their advocate before the Father's throne, that's our need as well because none will enter the kingdom of heaven unless they humble themselves and trust in Christ so that he would pray on our behalf before the Father. And so truly Jesus says, unless you change, unless you turn, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, but let little children come. Only to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do admit that we are often offended by Your grace. We are offended in our adult pride at the way in which You draw us to Yourself. We are offended because we are then forced to remember that we are utterly helpless, that we are in need of Your enabling grace. But Lord, we must understand that as far as entering the kingdom is concerned, we are babes, and that's exactly what we must be. We must have the humility and faith and the trust and the obedience of a little child. Only then will we truly understand what it means to be your kingdom disciples and to look to you for everything, for salvation and for the strength to live the Christian life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would humble us, that you would remind us, that you would show us that you draw us to yourself before we could even lift a finger or take a step. And may we know that wonderful truth that your promises are for us and for our little ones, our little children. And those promises are by grace and through faith alone. Help us, O oh God, to live the kind of lives that, that truly glorify and honor you. Prepare us to be children this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As our closing hymn, we want to turn to number 149, My People Give Ear. And we'll sing uh, the first three stanzas here of number 149 as we stand to sing.
go now into the world to serve Christ your King with this parting benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.